Today Magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Nidhi Turakia, who is the Executive Vice President at Allied Alloys. Nidhi has a long history in the scrap business, and she received her first hands-on experiences in scrap at the age of six when her family moved from New Orleans to Houston to partner in a new company, Ruby Metal Traders. Nidhi received a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Spanish from the University of Texas, Austin. Her intentions after college were to immediately attend law school with the goal of becoming a defense attorney or working for a legal aid program. But at her father's request, she instead agreed to work for one year to help him start a recycling company. And she stayed much longer than one year and has been with that business since then. She also received an MBA from Houston Baptist University while working for Allied Alloys. Thanks for coming on the show today, Needy. Thank you for having me, Megan. So how did you get your start in the recycling industry? Was it just shadowing your family's business when you were a kid? Oh, that's, you know, that's a very interesting question. Definitely as a kid was always um, at the scrapyard my dad owned at the time. And during my summer vacations in high school, I would take an internship on and start doing his export and import documentation. And, you know, that is how I was introduced to the scrap metal industry. Got it. And before you started working with your father, did you hold any jobs anywhere else? So, no, I actually jumped in um, the Monday after I graduated from college. So, I, again, you know, from early on, my, my, I would consider my main profession has always been in this industry. My dad had convinced me while I was graduating from college to help him start his, at at that time, help him start his brokerage division, which was called Titan Metals. Um, as he was dissolving the scrap metal company, Ruby Metals, that he owned with his partner. So I jumped in straight from college um, and never looked back. Got it. And I believe before you joined his business, you were somewhat interested as well in becoming a defense attorney or working for legal aid. I guess, do you still have those ambitions or did you at some point? What made you want to drop that and go into scrap instead? So I did have those ambitions. He Early on, he just convinced me to give him a year. He was like, if you don't like it after a year, then, you know, you could always still go to law school. So during that year period, I was studying for the LSAT. I even sat for the LSAT with still the dreams and, you know, ambitions of going to law school. Also during that year, I would talk to various family members and friends that were at the time already lawyers and and get their perspective. And it was very interesting how 9 out of 10 people's response was, you know, whatever you do, don't go into law not what you see on TV. It's, you know, a lot of pushing paperwork and documentation. So that really was also the end of, you know, kind of that decision-making process and steered me away from law school. And um, I just continued with the recycling industry. So what made you want to stay in the recycling industry after trying out things at your father's company for one year? I realized quickly that the recycling industry is very exciting. Um, There's never a day that's the same. It's very equivalent to, you know, the New York Stock Exchange. You know, the commodity prices are so volatile and they change on a daily basis. And that attracted me from the beginning. Another aspect of a reason why I stayed is just the people I met. Um, How many networking opportunities, how many doors had opened. And a huge plus was being able to travel and attend these trade shows and conventions, you know, from the beginning. 
and meeting all these people that come from different backgrounds and have different stories and come from different walks of life was very attractive for me. A third reason, you know, is that I quickly learned how this is not taught in school. This is not something that you could be formally educated on. Um, and it's a very hands-on uh, training, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I found it exhilarating that I was able to learn something original that was, you know, not being taught as, you know, a major or minor or, you know, a specialty in formal education. Got it. And since joining Titan Metals and Allied Alloys, how has your position in the industry changed over the years? And then secondly, what is your focus at the company today? So that's also an interesting story. I actually left Titan Metals in 2006 and helped start and Allied Alloys at that time was founded. So I helped them kind of grow um, and left Titan Metals, my family company, and did a two-year employment with Allied Alloys where, you know, I started at Export and import documentation, which was already a specialty of mine, you know, learning that from Titan and moved over to logistics and then kind of rotated through accounting. And um, in 2008, I made a conscious decision to kind of take a sabbatical leave where I left, um, actually, I left uh, the States and, and went off to India to achieve my yoga teaching certificate. And then when I came back during the economic downturn in 08 and 09, we actually were presented an opportunity with Allied Alloys to purchase a share and become a partner. So very interestingly, I left as an employee and kind of came back as a partner, you know, and a boss to some people that were friends of mine, you know, uh, from, from before. So my focus today, um, to answer the second part of that question, is that uh, I oversee HR, which is something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, matter of fact, I specialize in management when I did my MBA program, and I'm a very people person by nature. So I oversee HR now, and I, even though I wear many hats and I'm still a trader here at Allied Alloys, I would say that my main focus today is definitely more on the personnel side of things which, you know, encompasses HR, environmental health and safety, um, and also logistics and, and a few other departments that I oversee. Now, what are some unique things about Allied Alloys and Titan Metals? Um, is there anything new happening at those companies that you'd be able to share about? So I think what's very unique about Allied Alloys and Titan Metals is how, how it began. As I mentioned before, it was founded by two people, you know, and they quickly grew almost overnight from a company that had four people to now today have a hundred. It's been a journey for sure, especially navigating through the economic downturn. But I think one of the positive advantages we've had is that all the executives and are always on board in here every single day. So decisions can be made very quickly. Um, and everything is managed, you know, very hands-on. A few other things that I think make, you know, our company very unique is we've had a lot of firsts. For example, Allied Alloys was the first to coin, you know, the term blended turnings or BTS, you know, or blended solids or blended turning solids, which is still an industry standard, you know, for the stainless steel sector, you know, in many parts of the world, um, including Japan and Taiwan, here in the USA and Korea. I also think, you know, a lot of that uniqueness attributes to the fact that the founder, Andy Mitch Greenberg, which is still a current business partner today, 
is a walking alloy guidebook. I mean, if you ask this gentleman at any time, you know, what is the chemical composition of, let's say, Inconel 718, he could it from memory. It's amazing. I've never met somebody that has the ability to do that. But he brings a lot of uniqueness to our company. And another thing that, you know, as I mentioned before, we've had a lot of firsts here at Allied Alloys. Uh, we were also the first company that uh, won a new breed of lenders deal, which is Encina. Encina is a lending company that never had a scrap metal recycling in their portfolio. We were the first one to land that deal. We were also the first to use our ERP system called Plex. Again, similar to Encina, Plex has never had a scrap metal recycling uh, company in their portfolio either, and so we were their guinea pig, and they were able to build um, the ERP system to our liking and provide us with a barcoding system, you know, that you very similar to what you see in retail stores that provide traceability from the beginning of when it enters our facility to when it leaves. Um, so that's been definitely something very unique. And the last one that I would like to touch upon is, you know, my my father, Makesh Sharakia. Um, it, it was a first, you know, I think for my family and for all the families at my company to have a executive that made the 2018 Entrepreneur of the Year finalist, um, which was something that we were extremely proud of. You know, it was a great marketing tool for us to use, and, and that definitely opened some more doors that uh, we probably would not have otherwise. Great. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense why you might want to stay at the company back, you know, when you were deciding. It sounds like there's a lot of firsts at Allied Alloys. Yeah. And just, yeah, it makes sense you'd want to stay with that kind of company culture. Now, You've also been involved in several industry groups, including the Association of Women in Metal Industries, uh, Israel's Gulf Coast Chapter, and the Women in Recycling Group. So how did you get involved in those groups, and what are some things you've learned from those experiences? Again, you know, I'm just grateful to have the mentors and people that I surround myself with. And because of that, they've opened doors and opportunities into these organizations. So I, I became heavily involved when I started attending conventions and started attending the trade shows. And I attend every Israel annual convention now, and I always attend our chapter meetings. You know, so I think that is my pathway into these organizations. Some things that I've learned, um, it's been very interesting now that I'm involved on the ISRI national level on how much that happens behind the scenes at ISRI and kind of what is being done to keep the wheels turning that, you know, you probably would not see if you didn't start becoming involved on the national level. And it's definitely helped me expand my network, and I think that's that's a plus. And it's always it's always been very gratifying to see how much the recycling industry touches and how far it reaches from, you know, not just the scrap side, but also the finished product side is what I was, what I was taught and what I learned when I joined, you know, AWMI, which is the Association of Women in the Metals Industry, and how important it was for us to be able to share strategies, you know, between business owners and other women that are involved in these, you know, male-dominated industries. Um, I think that is something that I've learned, you know, just by attending conventions and trade shows. And I definitely recommend those that are coming into this industry, you know, to, to start very early on and, you know, start attending trade shows and the 
events that happen on, on the local level, you, you'd be surprised at how much it uh, pays out at the end. Great. And shifting gears to something a little more lighthearted, what are some things mm-hmm. that you do when you're not working in the scrap recycling industry? Oh, well, I'm a big water person. So I love to swim. I love water sports. I do some snow skiing. I definitely enjoy traveling. I just love immersing myself with different cultures and different countries. But I spend a lot of time with my loved ones, you know, with my friends and family. Um, And very early on, actually, I think I was, you know, one of the first people here in the Houston area that would once a month have a get-together from for just women that were coming from all different walks of life. You know, I, it wasn't something that was quickish or, hey, this is just going to be my college friends. You know, I made sure it was very inclusive. Um, that, and that, that in return, you know, has um, strengthened a lot of relationships and, and uh, provide a lot of connections to some of my friends that may not have had before. On the nonprofit side, and just sort of more on the community outreach side, I also sit on a nonprofit organization board as their youth committee chair, and that organization is called Verizon. They have three pillars, you know, as their backbone, and that's education, giving back, and spiritual awareness. Um, They help underprivileged children and women in third world countries, um, including India, which I am from. They've built schools and have built eye hospitals, you know, to provide something simple as cataract surgeries for those that can't afford it, um, and, and therefore they deemed it kind of a gift of sight, which I really, really loved um, and started becoming involved with. And then on top of that, you know, after you're done going through their school program, they also place youth in their vocational schools. So you have a chance to have a future career. Or you could come back and be a teacher at one of their schools. So it's a very interesting program that um, I, I, I fell in love with um, as soon as I was introduced. Um, so that definitely takes up uh, some of my time uh, when I'm not doing scrap metal. Another thing that you know I think I'm passionate about is just education in general. So I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly taking courses, you know, on my free time or continuous educational seminars or webinars or whatever it can be to help me on a personal level and to expand my knowledge. Awesome. So what would you say are some of the biggest challenges facing the recycling industry today? And do you have any idea on potential solutions or what you think the industry could be doing better? So I think right now the biggest challenge that we're facing is COVID-19. You know, a situation that came out the blue that we're all navigating through. Uh, it's been extremely unpredictable times right now, and I think that's going to be a challenge that the industry is going to face for for the next coming you know few years. I also think that you know some of the other challenges right now that we're facing is the geopolitical situations and the economic conditions you know in different countries, such as what the trade wars in China and the tariffs that are being brought on with China and India. India, in return, trying to overcome the COVID-19 situation with a population over a billion. I think all of those factors come into play when it comes to our recycling industry. And I think COVID-19 accelerated these factors at a time where we least expected it. I think the second part of that question was, you know, what are some of the solutions I see to these challenges? Well, for COVID-19... I don't know if there's going to be a solution, you know, um, anytime soon other than the vaccinations that they're already testing on. But I 
we'll say that the positive outlook for the COVID-19 is something that, you know, a positive takeaway is how much ISRI advocated for our industry. And I think a huge win was when we were deemed essential. Um, it would have been extremely heartbreaking to see, you know, my, my friends and my colleagues in this industry close their doors or, you know, go out of business or be able to not survive. So I think that was something that was a positive outlook during these, you know, unpredictable times. And in terms of, you know, just the the COVID situation and what all it brings in terms of employee safety when, you know, when you get down to like mental health and depression and anxiety and panic, you know, I think there's so many solutions for that if you're communicating actively and on a regular basis. You know, if you're providing your employees with the tools to kind of get through their struggles, I think is a solution that we all need to be thinking about. Now, you focus on stainless steel markets. So overall, how would you say stainless markets have been in 2020 so far? Well, I mean, I think they've been on a decline. It's been interesting because you read these publications and market news, you know, where where they're predicting that the decline for stainless steel is going to be almost 10% compared to last year. Um, and I feel like we are now seeing the aftermath of, you know, the first COVID-19 wave in March. Um, and then on top of it, you know, we're, we're following the expected stainless steel mills. There's summer shutdowns and, you know, there's summer cutbacks and the, the typical summer holidays. So it's definitely been on a decline but it's also been very interesting because the automobile production has bounced back that has not declined you know the real estate market in texas is booming which was something that nobody predicted so even though that there's been a decrease they're saying in demand we feel like you know the supply is just not meeting it on an allied alloy scrap metal recycling side we've seen the opposite We've seen that the prices have been extremely competitive. You know, we're all fighting for the same short supply of stainless steel and nickel alloys. So it's been very interesting to see this kind of contradicting um, market play out. I, I don't think that it's going to get better anytime soon. I think this is kind of our new normal. And we're just hoping that it's not going to be a new normal for the next, you know, four to five years, that it's something that's, you know, going to eventually taper off, you know, in the next 18 months or so. Or so. Got it. And I know we're in definitely uncertain times lately, and that might make this next question a little bit difficult, but where do you see the scrap recycling industry heading in the near-term future? I would say the next few years, but it's been difficult to predict the next few months. Even. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I think, you know, I think the next, as I mentioned, the next four to five years are going to be extremely tumultuous. I think we're going to all experience a slow recovery from COVID-19. I think there's still a second wave coming for COVID-19, you know, um, symptoms or, you know, the flu season, as they're saying. And I think that's going to bring on a second wave of economic downturn. You know, I think we're going to see more businesses close. I think the businesses that are now open are going to cut employees and costs. Um, really, it's, it's about to be, you know, the survival of the fittest. I think that's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And as you mentioned, Megan, I mean, this is all so unpredictable that, you know, I'm hoping that this is not going to come true. Got it. Now, I'm hoping we can end on a more optimistic note here. But <laughs> so on a personal level, 
what are some challenges that you've been able to overcome in your career that you can look back on and say, I'm proud of that? So I think the first one that comes to mind is one of the challenges I experienced very early on is being that this is such a male-dominated industry and I'm uh, coming in as a woman of color. I found that it was very intimidating for me to walk into a room with, you know, these industry veterans that were, you know, predominantly male. I found that to be a great challenge because, you know, I have the type of personality that once I'm, you know, once I'm intimidated, it's very hard for me to use my voice and be vocal. So I've overcome that. It's taken me years, you know, but I think I've definitely increased my confidence just through education and knowledge and always learning. That gave me the ability to start, you know, using my voice, you know, in a very proactive and effective manner. And I think just being constantly, you know, surrounded again, you know, like I said, by top advisors and mentors have helped me overcome that challenge. Got it. And so final question here. So you oversee human resources for your company. What advice would you give to the scrap industry on hiring the right people? And then how do you encourage people to come to the scrap recycling industry? My main advice would be when you're going to hire, think outside the box. Hire non-traditional hires, you know, such as second chance candidates, you know, international students. I definitely recommend, you know, instead of looking at their resume and what they specialize in, to kind of look more at their characteristics and their work ethics and their personality. We're a big believer here at Allied Alloys that, you know, if someone comes in and they may not have a CPA for an accounting position, but they have the right DNA. Um, They have, you know, the drive and the determination to be with our company that, you know, we we, we even go to the extent that we'll put them through school, you know, to get that CPA or to get that license or get that certification. So I think that is extremely important on when you're looking for new hires. And to encourage them, you know, to come to the industry, I just think communication, being able to show them and explain to them that this is not, you know, a trashy job. You know, this is very different from a Sanford and Sons episode because we're a highly innovative industry. We're heavily based with science and technology. Um, And on top of it, you know, we're improving the environment, you know, um, long term. So I think just conveying that message is key um, to attracting, you know, and uh, retaining the right talent. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Needy. Thank you, Megan.